0: welcome to a very special and eh, maybe not that special Monday edition one of our favorite though time to panic which teams which fan bases should be panicking that their teams are not going to live up to expectations that's coming up later in the show first though some news has piled up that we need to get to here let's start with probably I would say the most significant is that Zach Collins is gonna have to have shoulder surgery remember he dislocated his shoulder he was in the Dallas game about a week ago. There was some hope that maybe his shoulder was wasn't that bad and he had decent range of motion and it popped right back in but no now it looks like there's going to be surgery timetable to be released soon but you have to imagine that's no less than a couple of months and for a team that already was extremely thin in the front court Danny this is going to be a major issue for their depth.
1: Absolutely and they just don't have that many options to go with that. I mean, the the resources and, and a lot of the players they've drafted on the on the perimeter have worked out reasonably well. You know, Simons is in the rotation now and some of the other guys. But they just don't have, they haven't used resources there so Mario Hazonia is going to play a lot more Anthony Tolliver is going to play a lot more and they'll probably go really small at the three and the four. I mean, we've already seen Rodney Hood playing power forward a little bit and that's, I mean I'm not comfortable with Hood at the three much less at the four, at least against good teams you know, like you could exploit it a little bit and So Neil O'Shea's reluctance to sign and pay forwards is a, is a, Coming, kind of coming to roost a little bit and also now any injuries to Hassan Whiteside become a bigger deal and he missed the Philly game with a, a a bone bruise in his knee but he's but but he'll be back soon so that's not as huge a deal but remember like they're just really shallow in the entire front court now not just at the forward spots
0: yeah and Zach Collins was kind of their backup center Yusuf Nurkic just a lot Pago hasn't played yet this year coming off a of foot injury so now Scal is being Force in action as their backup center and someone who maybe has some potential hasn't necessarily realized it but he's definitely a little bit light to be playing backup center especially in the system that they want where they want kind of a big plugger who's going to hang back and protect the rim you know i'm not sure that that's him defensively rodney hood also is dealing with a, a knee contusion had to be helped off after scoring 25 points in the philly game But he's probable tonight against Golden State. Whiteside is probable tonight also with that left knee bone bruise. But you have to wonder if those guys would be playing if they weren't just so thin right now. So we probably didn't spend enough time on them yesterday as far as what this means to their playoff hopes i mean they've got a lot of guys out right now um you know Tolliver is in his mid-30s and just athletically it's not quite there i mean he can still shoot the ball i think offensively they should still be fine but man i mean it's getting harder and harder to put together a defense they've got hazonia is gonna have to play big minutes as you mentioned they don't trust nasir little he's not playing even with all these injuries gary trent's playing like five minutes uh so a lot of Kent Baysmore, a lot of Hood, I mean that's your probably your three and your four. In crunch time for this group,
1: it's also just very different structurally to think about what they need for a team that is hoping to make the playoffs. You know, this isn't just like treading water. They want to actually win win games. And because especially if that timeline is about right for Collins, it's a while until these players come back. It's not two weeks, and then you just try try to muddle through and then you get back into it. I mean, this I mean Nurkic is going to be out a while from basically everything we've heard. And then if Collins is out a while too, then get into that, and then maybe that opens the door for Olshe to 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 make a trade there are a couple different pathways for that and i mean they have they have motivation and they have this unusual circumstance with cap space if they wanted to get somebody for multiple seasons
0: let's go to their northwest division rivals the utah jazz hit on this a little bit yesterday ed davis fractured left fibula he'll be re-evaluated in a month that doesn't sound too good It's unclear whether it's like a stress fracture or, or what the deal is he didn't seem to be moving too poorly after the game where he got injured so there's this came as a bit of a surprise but now it's tony bradley time he's the only other center on the roster i mean maybe they could go with yang and jeff green on the backup unit i mean that's not going to defend they are very very dependent obviously on their center to defend so we'll we'll find out whether bradley's a player they did exercise his option as we'll talk about a little bit later on so perhaps he'll show enough uh, that to prove that that was a, a wise decision for them. Uh, and then Emmanuel Moutier, he missed Sunday's game against the Clippers with left hamstring tightness. Dante Exum is doing some practicing down at the G League level, but doesn't sound like he's pretty close. They're obviously going to be ultra conservative with him. Jazz fans know that dance uh, already uh, since they've been through that with uh, many an Exum injury. So Nigel Williams-Goss, backup point guard, I mean, now you're... There's already some concern about the depth of the Jazz rotation and presumably Moody will be back soon. He's been fine. But with now Tony Bradley and maybe Nigel Williams-Goss both in the rotation, that makes it difficult, especially because they're not getting as much uh, from Mike Conley as they had hoped
1: another northwest division team with a with a frontcourt injury the oklahoma city thunder Stephen adams has missed two straight games with a knee contusion sounds like he'll be back soon enough new Orleans Dewell has been starting in his place they do not have the same necessity you know urgent, urgency because i mean sure okc would love to make the playoffs we talked about that a little bit yesterday but they're not in the kind of in the same boat so we'll keep an eye on that but it's not as big of a oh it's a big loss because he's a very good player but they're not in the same position as portland and utah respectively.
0: yeah they did have a nice win over New Orleans without Adams as Noel had six blocks in that game in 24 minutes for the Knicks Dennis Smith after his stepmother passed away has been away from the team he was questionable against the Kings sounds like he didn't make it back in time and obviously uh, I would guess he hasn't been doing much in the way of basketball activities with that family tragedy so I would imagine if he's going to get back into playing minutes for this team it's going to take a little bit longer here Uh, Alfred Payton also has been missing games with a hamstring Injury and he had to leave the game with that injury. So, like we said, that's usually going to be a one or two weaker at a minimum for a hamstring or a calf. Uh, so, it doesn't sound like he's close right now either. So, been a lot of Frank Nilakina. Knicks also are starting Julius Randle and Bobby Portis together now. Mitchell Robinson is healthy enough to play, but this just shows Danny the difficulties in fitting around Julius Randle. They feel like, hey, randall is struggling a ton this year they don't have enough spacing we were we're critical of their offseason for that reason and now mitchell robinson who's a big part of their future they decided hey we're not winning games because we have no spacing so we're gonna put robinson on the bench uh, instead of randall and play bobby portis and uh they won't be stopping anyone defensively with that group
1: no, they will not, and Randall, the adjustment in the Sacramento game, he went 4 of 13 from the field, missed all three of his three-pointers, had two assists and one turnover as they lost yeah, by I, I mean, he's 20. been
0: one of the more disappointing players. Again, not in a situation to succeed, but sure. it, you hoped that he could replicate his performance with new orleans last year at least and maybe even build on that and instead the opposite has occurred
1: uh let's let's go to a piece of positive news trey young sprained his ankle two days before we were going to do the hawks on the nba cast which was still a lot of fun and i was concerned you know because trey is just so essential for what the hawks do that he was going to miss an extended period of time fortunately he is not uh the Woj, he is expected to practice on Monday, and then barring a setback, he will return Tuesday against the San Antonio Spurs. So, about the best case scenario for for Young after his ankle sprain.
0: Yeah, they started Kem Reddish in his absence, uh, and got a lot of DeAndre Bembry time. He actually had a nice game in that game against the Heat, although they ultimately got blown out uh, on Thursday. And part of why that's happening is Evan Turner continues to miss time with an ankle injury and Achilles soreness, uh, the latter of which has plagued him going Back to the preseason for the Celtics, Jalen Brown has missed a few with an illness. Now he's going to be out another couple of games. He might meet the team, but he's not traveling with the team on their current road trip. uh Tim Bontemps tweeting that not only did he have an illness, but he now has an infection as well. So that doesn't sound amazing. But Boston obviously uh is blessed with pretty good wing depth. I mean, he's an important piece for them, and he was playing well to start the season. So you wonder when he gets back. It, it, he's probably going to have to get eased back in. But this does give a chance for Gordon Hayward and Jason him to get a little bit more reps on the ball
1: in denver will barton has missed the last two games with a toe injury I don't know exactly what the timeline is there and in his stead tory craig has started they beat the magic uh 91 to 87 and then they all and so i, I mean i think that just get, allowing a little bit more to to be a part of the rotation could be a good thing you know like we've talked about michael porter jr and some of the other stuff but You know, they still need the depth because it's an important part of their success.
0: For Chicago, with Otto Porter's struggles, they could use some more depth at the three. Chandler Hutchison is finally back, uh, although did not play on Sunday, although I believe he was available against the Pacers in their desultory loss. Uh, But he had revealed that he had suffered a grade three hamstring strain back in August. Um, So we'll see if he gets back on the floor. Obviously, he's got a lot of work to do to get up to NBA rotation level, uh, even when healthy. And then Cleveland, this one was interesting, uh, GM Kobe Altman. Remember that Altman took on the job in the summer of 2017 and was immediately tasked with trading Kyrie Irving after david griffin left the organization and he is the first ever general manager under dan gilbert to get a second contract he, he agreed to a quote-unquote long-term contract extension
1: well and altman even after this time he spent with Cavs, he's only 37 and the i mean it's been an unusual time to be the general manager of the cleveland cavaliers you talked about the Kyrie irving trade but also he negotiated the extensions for love larry nance and now recently jetty osman and draft Sexton and Garland hiring John Beeline. So I I firmly believe that David Griffin has been their best general manager during this, you know, the LeBron time when things actually mattered, you know, like in Cleveland, and he didn't get an extension or any kind of that support. And maybe it's just that the Gilbert family is seeing things a little differently now. He had been pretty steadfast and the idea that general managers were going to, that, that they weren't going to get extensions, but maybe that's just different now. And I also don't know, I, I'm not saying they're saying, you know, like that Altman necessarily was the the mo- the impetus behind some of the moves I disagreed with. This is why when we do a lot of those rankings, I always try to do it as management overall because maybe Altman was a little bit less enthusiastic about the love the love signing or some of the other ones I disagreed with. So you always have to take it with a grain of salt because they're really an audience of one job as when you really think about it, though they have the persuasion responsibility as well.
0: Yeah, Woj reporting that Altman was on a three-year deal. So that would have expired this summer. And clearly this is a long-term rebuild. I didn't care for the love extension. I still, and he's looking about as good as you can hope so far this year, but doesn't seem like there's a great trade market for him. And I think Altman also is just really overvalued shot creators and undervalued basically every other aspect. I mean, you think about trading for Rodney Hood and Jordan Clarkson and giving up a first rounder to get Clarkson. Um, And then Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. I mean, uh, you know, those guys aren't looking like bad picks, but they're also shot creators as well kevin porter shot creator so they they, he really seems to be going after those guys now you might say hey at the point they're at now they just find those guys first and then you fill in the role players around him but um yeah i mean it it was a tough situation i don't think altman has done like some amazing job so far but he's been in a situation with absolutely zero flexibility where they've been up against the tax the last two years despite not even being remotely competitive so he can't do the take on bad money thing that maybe that'll start this summer um you know, the, he's made a, cu- a couple of high draft picks that the jury is still out on them. They were never going to be competitive. They just didn't have the flexibility to be so. I think he's at least embracing the rebuild. Um, He wasn't able to get along with Ty Lue, but uh and ended up firing him early in the season when Lou didn't want to play the young guy so I do think he's trying to execute this rebuilding vision I don't think he's shown a ton but also when you say hey his contract was going to expire and you don't want the guy like chasing a bunch of wins this year to try and keep his job yeah maybe you uh, extend him interested to see how long that is I'm not gonna you know if we were doing organization rankings so, uh, potential P- tease for a future podcast that I might be doing. Uh, he and the Cavs wouldn't be anywhere near the top, but I understand why this was done, even if I'm not just like so wowed by his performance so far.
1: Let's go to Indiana where they've been dealing with their own front court injuries. Miles Turner is week to week with an ankle sprain. That's concerning because of how, I mean, how important he's been. And then that got compounded when DeMontis Bonus ha- is dealing with a calf contusion thankfully not a, a strain or something worse than that but he is also questionable for tuesday's game against the hornets
0: yeah and the pacers they lost a couple of games to the pistons early that were pretty ugly losses but they are really benefiting with the all the injuries they've had from an extremely soft early schedule here that continues against charlotte and you know Demonis Savonis has put up some big games hopefully he'll uh, be healthy sooner at least it's a calf contusion rather than a strain you know I think that's just you got kicked in the calf probably uh so that can resolve faster than a calf strain would and Edmund Sumner broke his hand he's gonna be reevaluated in three weeks it was a non-displaced fracture so it sounds like the type of thing where he could be back in, in a month or so but too bad for his career he was actually starting for them trying to give them something on the wing defensively and but the one thing they do have i mean even with oladipo out even with sumner out they have decent depth here aaron holiday will probably play more they got tj mcconnell as well and lamb is back they got tj warren goga betadze now is playing so they do and betadze has had some flashes blocking shots and hitting threes so hopefully they can keep it afloat here for a little bit longer um in toronto Patrick McCaw is now out indefinitely. And this is it. I mean, they re signed the guy for $4 a year for two years, basically. Uh, a le- left knee issue. He's going to see a specialist. So that's never a great sign. Uh, their rotation has been very tight. They haven't got anything out of Stanley Johnson. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson ha- hasn't really contributed much. They've had to go to Terrence Davis. I guess he's going to be the beneficiary getting more minutes for the Raptors, but uh, McCaw continuing a both lucky and star-crossed career. I mean, some of the injuries that he's had, so hopefully this isn't anything serious, but the signs don't look great there.
1: The Lakers got Kyle Kuzma back. He's been playing, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, so still not all the way into full strength. So we don't know exactly how Frank Vogel's endgame rotation is going to work out. Avery Bradley is day to day with a right leg bruise suffered in the Spurs game. Rondo is still out through at least Tuesday. And they have enough players, you know, like they've been getting more out of Alex Caruso and then KCP is actually hitting some shots, which is exciting. But at some point, they're going to need they're going to need those players to be healthy. And I've been very encouraged by the start of their season and hopefully. Hopefully that can continue
0: for Memphis. It sounds like Grayson Allen is going to miss at least a few games with an ankle sprain, Uh, sprain that over the weekend. And there isn't any talk of him being questionable. He's being ruled out uh, for tonight's game, Monday night's game pretty early on here. So it doesn't sound like he's going to have an imminent return. So that'll mean more for Dylan Brooks, more for uh Guterich uh, as well. And Jaron Jackson Jr. is not going to play Monday night against Houston with right knee soreness. It, he was limping around at the end of the Phoenix game, uh, had a, a number of collisions, and ended up just sitting out the rest of that Phoenix game. So that's not great obviously Memphis is going to be super cautious there uh for Miami they completely blew out Houston on Sunday but did it without Justice who's missed two straight with lower back tightness he will travel to Denver and Derek Jones Jr uh still out as well with a groin issue no indication that he is close to, at all there
1: and in a, a potentially interesting turn it looked there was a possibility that because the Rockets got blown out so thoroughly Russell Westbrook would not get his Previously anticipated day off, but Mike D'Antoni decided to do it anyway. So Russell Westbrook will not play on Monday for load management.
0: With the Clippers, Paul George going through three on three work has not progressed to five on five yet. The talk was always that he was going to come back at some point in November, as uh, Jovan Bua helpfully pointed out on the Clippers preview podcast. November is 30 days long. So thankfully, I'm going to be at the Clippers game on December 1st. So I'll be guaranteed to see Paul George uh, in that game down in LA. For Milwaukee, West Matthews sprained his ankle against the Raptors, uh, only played nine minutes. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo actually started the second half for him, so no status update yet on West Matthews uh, as Milwaukee is uh, traveling to the West Coast here, where he'll be doing their game against the Clippers for the NBA cast on Wednesday night.
1: A little piece of bookkeeping from Bobby Marks that I think is is useful to remember. Now that DeAndre Ayton has served five games of his suspension, he has moved to what's called the suspended list, which allows the Phoenix, if they want to, to add a player, despite having 15 guaranteed contracts, Aiden, assuming nothing changes with his suspension length, he'll be available December 17th against the Clippers. In D.C., C.J. Miles is questionable for the, the Wizards game Monday against Detroit. And then in Orlando, I think this is a kind of a, an interesting overall point guard story. First thing, Mike Carter-Williams has missed the last two games with a hip issue. We had both been critical of playing him and Markel Fultz together because of their combined limitations. And we'll keep it I mean he's he's had hip issues before but then the to me the far more compelling part of this is that Markel Fultz started their most recent game that loss against the Denver Nuggets and will remain in the starting lineup for the foreseeable future according to Steve Clifford
0: yeah Clifford noting that they've been struggling to score going back to preseason John and I talked a lot about some of their struggles uh, offensively I don't know that Fultz is necessarily the answer I mean he does provide maybe a little bit more dynamic penetration but off the ball he still is not a plus shooter he's three out of 16 from three he's been more aggressive taking him than you might have expected but it still looks pretty ugly I think teams are going to make him beat them from outside but TJ Augustin has been struggling too and Fultz uh, is the future and I think playing him with Vucevic really helps him a lot you know when it's him Bamba and Michael Carter Williams all on that second unit I mean that was just and Alf Camino I mean that's like four guys who are not great offensive players I mean Fultz could do stuff with the ball but he's off the ball he's pretty powerless and Bomba all oh, he does is shoot and he's you know that a uh, questionable accuracy at this point in his career uh what else we got here
1: well actually i want to mention one more oh, yeah. magic thing uh per josh robbins the magic are, are also going to load manage mo bomba oh, one yeah. of the big benefits of having kem birch who was better than mo bomba significantly last season though bomba has been much better so far this year is that they can do that when it really yeah. not, not
0: necessarily better than birch but just better in general
1: yes yeah Korea thank you for for noting that yeah and so I think that's generally a good thing to be cautious especially young players who aren't you know centerpieces of the rotation I do want to actually mention with the Fultz and the the Fultz and DJ thing I did make a comment on that that it sort of parallels to me the and I've criticized Nate McMillan for this in the past even though he did a great job coaching last year of the you know like our starters weren't playing well our backups did well and so we're going to leave them in DJ Augustine is a better player and specifically a better player for Orleans starting five than Markel Fultz. And so, yes, they have struggled a lot to start the season offensively, but I'm going to lean pretty strongly towards the superior player unless they're making some sort of other decision. But when you consider the amount of money that management spent on Vooch and Terrence Ross and everything else, I mean, Augustine is a far better pick and roll operator. And while I like Fultz and think that he provides value in the league, I still go with the better player, at least for now.
0: For Golden State... we might i almost i almost want to just put on like a moratorium of talking about the warriors until like you know we're talking about like the draft or treats or something at this point uh i mean i guess we'll still be going to their games uh draymond green is going to miss a few games with a left index finger ligament injury unclear exactly what that is i mean a ligament injury that sounds like kind of surgery like but we'll see there he had a wrap-on after the game on friday and then did not play saturday d'angelo russell also missed that game against charlotte which they had a nice performance from eric paschal but still ended up on the end uh russell questionable for tonight's game against portland with that ankle sprain guessing he's not gonna play (laughs) we'll see maybe i'll be wrong about that and then kevon looney is supposed to undergo advanced testing over the next few days and he's gonna have a timetable after that the one thing that i would question supposedly he's been dealing with this hamstring neuropathy for a long time And maybe this happened before and we didn't know about it, but like, why is it just now that he's seeing the specialist and they're actually like dealing with this problem? It it seems odd to me that if he had this issue for years that he wouldn't have like seen a specialist about it a, a long time ago, but he's supposed to get a timetable after that. But it doesn't. I haven't really done any research on what the treatment is for this sort of a thing but again you know they just wanted to be healthy for next year so whatever it is it's going to be extremely conservative treatment for him
1: update on the detroit point guard injury front reggie jackson dealing with a stress reaction he will be out for at least four weeks
0: yeah that's his his lower back by the way lower back yeah i forgot to put that in
1: yeah and uh derrick rose will not play on on monday with a hamstring issue that'll be a second straight game missed hamstrings are tricky derrick rose has history with this it could be a little while Tim Frazier, their third point guard, is also doubtful against the the Wizards due to a shoulder strain. So that means they're putting a lot on the, the shoulders of Luke Kennard and Bruce Brown. And in some ways, I mean, I've talked about Brown's shooting limitations. I still really like his defense. One of the ways, and Giannis is an example of this, not that Bruce Brown is anything close to that. One of the ways of addressing a limited shooting guard is... Putting the ball in their hands.
0: Yeah. And Braun, I mean, you remember Summer League, he's having some triple doubles, uh, had a, a nice assist game when he played 40 minutes in their win against the Nets over the weekend. So, and, and when, especially when you consider his size and defense, maybe Bruce Braun is a better option at point guard even than Tim Frazier when he comes back. I mean, Frazier is more of a point guard, but and crazy as it is to say, it's probably a better shooter than Brown, but Brown's got to play anyway. So maybe you make Fraser the backup and throw Brown in there uh, if Rose is going to be out for a while and obviously Jackson out for the four weeks. Well, I can assure you that I do not have a stress reaction in my back because I have an awesome mattress. I'm a back sleeper. And so Helix Sleep matched my body and my sleep preferences. I also sleep a a little hot, so we got a cooler mattress. And that's why the Helix Sleep mattress is the most comfortable mattress that I've ever owned. You have to take my word for it. Number one, they're the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And number two, you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free, and they'll even pick it up for you. If you don't love it, but you are going to love it because it's made for you. You go to helixsleep.com slash Capspace. Easy. you remember, we talk about Capspace all the time on the program. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. And they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And they can even split it down the middle for you and your partner if you have different sleep needs. Right now, Helix is offering up to $125 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash Capspace. So that's up to $125 off at helixsleep.com slash Capspace. Don't forget that slash Capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. All right, time to blare the siren. For one of our favorite segments every year, we actually had someone tweet at me and say, hey, when are you going to do this? Well, it is now time to assess whether the fan bases of disappointing teams should panic danny who would you like to start bouncing off the walls about first here
1: well i don't know if it's one that i want to bounce bounce off the walls about but i think an interesting place to start this is with the houston rockets because what's different about the rockets is not the question of whether they're going to be a playoff team i think we both expect that 538's current projections have them actually as the number one seed in in the west but remember that like a few other teams in the west they have lofty aspirations and that's more what i'm talking about rather than them you know missing the playoffs or anything
0: yeah i think that's a good way to look at it and if you are someone like us who thought the rockets were a championship contender certainly a very disappointing start so far 26th in the nba in net rating negative seven they haven't blown anyone out they had a absolutely horrendous loss against miami afternoon game after a saturday night in miami perhaps that was fate accompli especially with uh, a few rockets enjoying going out but russell westbrook is going to get load managed tonight we're recording this during the afternoon The way I want to go through this maybe is to say, all right, what are some of the reasons they'll be better or what are some of the reasons why this is real? What are some reasons why they will be better going forward here?
1: A really basic thing to look at in these circumstances is, is there anything unsustainable in their their profile? And in the Rockets case, there is in terms of opponent shooting. Houston is giving up 44.3% on opponent three-pointers. Not only is that the highest shooting percentage in the league, it's the highest in the league by 4%. So just due to regression, I mean, even if the Rockets were giving up the the highest proportion of open threes in the league, you would see that expect to see that drop. And then turn to mid-range, they go all the way from the highest opponent shooting percentage to the second highest opponent shooting percentage, 45.6 for mid-range. So I'm, you know, there, there are some legitimate qualms to, to be had about their defense, but those sorts of problems, you know, they're 29th in defense and they're significantly, significantly better than that. They're, they're dead last in opponent, effective field goal percentage, as you would expect given those two numbers I just cited.
0: Well, and then you can throw in which this isn't necessarily a great indicator, but it also exacerbates the opponent's shooting numbers right now, is that they're giving up the third most threes in the league of any teams as a percentage of the shots that they're facing. So that's not a good indicator. But it also exacerbates the crazy opponent shooting against them. And, and that's probably a little bit more luck based. Then you turn to the offensive side of the ball 29th in the NBA shooting the three ball, and they take the most threes in the league there as well 47% of all their shots as threes. That's down a little bit, as you might expect with Westbrook this year, but they're shooting just under 30% from three. And James Harden, Eric Gordon in particular, have been way, way off. Westbrook is also below 30%, but that you would expect given his recent history doesn't look like he's going to necessarily turn it around from a shooting standpoint that's another reason to not feel great about them he's still shooting poorly from the foul line as well other things i've liked about the way he's fit in there uh including the pace getting a little bit better uh also you could just point to the fact that hey remember they did this last year right like they harden kind of takes a while to get into shape uh, some of these years and maybe that's part of why he's starting poorly. Maybe the legs well, aren't there. But that actually that t-
1: ties in with one of the reasons that I would be a little bit more concerned, which is I think it'll be meaningfully harder for them to improve on the buyout market like they did last time. Remember that there are significantly more interesting teams to the Austin Rivers and the Kenneth Farids of the world. Granted, they already have Austin Rivers, so they don't have to worry about getting another one. But the Clippers and the Lakers, most notably, though, I think they are going to be higher buyout places. So Maury's talent at identifying those players is a part of it, but also it's the desire to want to play for that team as opposed to the other options on the table.
0: Well, I mean, they're very thin still uh, sure. as well, depth yeah. wise
1: I mean, d- depending on what a player prioritizes, I mean, remember, we saw Wayne Ellington and Wes Matthews last year choose playing time over potential title contenders. Yeah. And... Wayne
0: Ellington took some cash too. That was yeah,
1: happened, yeah, but... yeah. that's true too. But I, So I think that part of it, but I also think the Rockets are a better constructed team than they were at this point last year, so then that, that's something that weighs the other way. So overall, for me, I'm not particularly concerned about the Rockets. It, the the issues. Do so,
0: so you still think they're right in the championship mix? That, that yeah, I think they're. I think
1: they're still in the mix. You know, they've moved down a little bit, but for me, it's not. There isn't anything that I've seen. So far, that has convinced me in April, May, and June that they're a significantly different team than I anticipated. And they were on the low end of the title picture for me just because of the the whole Russell Westbrook, you know, like the fit. And once you get into seven game series, but it is true that you know there's a chance that they end up with maybe not the number one seed, and so then that that could theoretically weaken depending on how the bracket turns out. So my t- my panic level for them is low. I'm at a four for right now. But it, you know, I, I reserve the right to to see like if some of the stuff that I'm writing off now is unsustainable. If it starts to maybe, if, even if it regresses, if it regresses to the mean, but there are just still larger structural problems that it could be there.
0: I'd probably put it at a six. I think Westbrook, the results have been mixed. He's defensive rebounding like like crazy. They are now average in defensive rebounding, considering that they really are only playing one center for most of the games and playing a lot of centerless units. Tyson Chandler is, is, you know, he's like a 10 minute a game guy. And Clint Capella has not looked good. He's obviously has helped them on the defensive glass. They are playing much faster. I, I like that a lot. I think that he can be more effective than he was last year because of the spacing that they have, even with nobody hitting shots they still get up a lot of threes teams still respect their shooters so I like all that. Westbrook and Harden together, though. I mean, that is just, there are some big-time concerns about your effort level defensively on a night-to-night basis, especially with Clint Capella, again, looks to uh, just that 17-18 playoffs before they played the Warriors seems like a long way away at this point now. Uh, Also, uh, Miami did this to them, especially in the first quarter when they blew them out yesterday. Russell Westwick just not getting guarded in the half court is going to make it harder for James Harden. Harden I think teams we saw Miami aggressively double teaming Harden when he went into his iso ball or just really really helping off of, of Westbrook when he was one pass away on the wing that's something that other teams are going to do and it obviously becomes more of an issue in the playoffs when you get into this where they're scouting each other a lot better so and just to I mean just simply the fact that they're twenty-sixth the net rating and they haven't blown anyone out yet uh, is not amazing and yeah, you know, Harden's just gonna have to play better too I think he's going to but again as he gets older he becomes more and more reliant each year on that step back three if that doesn't fall uh, now he's at a new point in his career and he's got to be a lot better i think he'll get there but i i would be at a six for them, I will pick the next team here, the two and five Sacramento Kings. The threshold here for them is
1: probably being in the playoff mix. You know, it's not being a four seed or anything like that. And Sacramento has had a really, a really just absolutely brutal start to the year. They are 29th in net rating per cleaning the glass, outscored by 11.8 points per hundred possessions. And even more concerning than that, they are. 27th in both offense and defense, and for me, one of the big signs, and I think some of this is just because of how bad their defense has been so far. That's a good calibrator. Is remember last year, like Sacramento's half court offense was not particularly good. It was actually towards the bottom of the league, but. They played the lowest proportion of possessions in the half court, and they were a great transition team. So that was how they were able to kind of keep it afloat a little bit offensively. We've talked about our issues with their defensive repeatability, even with Deadman replacing Kali Stein. Now, through seven games, they're middle of the pack in terms of proportion of possessions that are occurring in the half court. And that is a big problem because their half court offense is still bad. And it, you know, they have better talent now than, than most of last year, just because healed and Bogdanovich and everything else. But those guys aren't playing particularly well. And so I do think that they're suffering from negative feedback loops. Getting fewer stops means that you get fewer transition opportunities, even if some teams run off makes. But I think that kind of, it, it gives you an idea of how the theory of this could go south pretty fast without really changing that much
0: yeah and some of the things that you mentioned i can add to it are some of the stickier things right it's not just shot making it's style of play which is something that begins to be elucidated pretty early on in a season you can add to the transition uh, turning the ball over a lot that's something that is more of a style of play thing than a shooting luck type of thing that that's something that is more indicative early in the season not getting to the foul line another one of the things that you could point there uh Another bad indication, opponents... Are shooting 38% for three. I mean, that's not like just a ridiculous outlier this early in the season. I mean, it's a little better than average. It'll probably regress slightly, but not a ton. And then opponents are shooting 55% for two, including 68% at the rim, which is just a completely insane number. uh At power four, they have absolutely no rim protection. I think maybe getting Bagley back will help a little bit with that, other than he brings uh, perimeter defense problems. He's not going to be back for a little while, too. Uh, nobody shoots 68% at the rim over an entire season. Uh, against the team you know nobody's defense is that bad but it's still more susceptible to a style of play thing than opponent shooting on jump shots so what
1: well, and something else yeah. I wanted to bring up with them um, I-, I need to watch a little bit more film I've watched you know watched I think pieces of at least four of their games but sometimes an opponent or a team having a low opponent free throw rate can actually be a sign of something bad, basically that you're not close enough to foul. And I think I've seen some of that from Sacramento's. They're just the limited yeah. help to defense that well, they have. And
0: they don't have like, bigs and rim protectors out there, right? I mean right, Trevor exactly. Ariza at the four, Harrison Barnes, Bielitsa, I mean those guys are just provide absolutely no deterrent at the rim whatsoever.
1: Exactly. And, and so that that creates some of these problems where they're just not providing enough resistance and they're not even getting to the foul line. So and that's really one of the only things that has looked like good in their profile so far. That an offensive rebounding and, and that should that should reasonably continue. And and there's also this idea, you know, it's been nice that Rashawn Holmes has, has done well overall, but he is in some ways a more extreme version of something we've talked about with Marvin Bagley before and numerous other guys of the he can produce stats, but how much does he contribute to winning basketball? Because at center, the most important thing that you can do in most schemes, unless you're Nicole Jokic or something, is protect the rim to deter shots there and Rashawn Holmes has never been you know he can block some shots but he's not really that rim protector who makes opponents the quality of their shots worse and so shifting him into the starting lineup because Luke Walton maybe thinks he's playing better than Deadman, they need a little jolt offensively I think that's going to lead to some negatives defensively that will be harder to correct
0: he's improved since his Philly days uh, but uh, and he had a really nice play to help win them a game against Donovan Mitchell sliding his feet on the perimeter forcing him into a a difficult shot certainly there's been a lot of fire on Luke Walton I mean, the. that some of these stylistic changes have occurred with a coaching change as well as talking to an advanced scout the other day who said yeah Dave Yeager even if he's difficult to get along with was very underrated in how good of a job he did at putting these guys in position to succeed whether it was running or you know whether it was set plays in the half court I did think Walton ran a very nice play to get them a wide open corner three that missed but then Harrison Barnes put it back uh, to give them the lead against the Jazz late in that game and they have at least had two impressive wins in a row I mean that's one reason just they were 0-5 now they're 2-5 and and then they blew out the Knicks yesterday so they're at least trending in the right direction and uh, on this Eastern trip I, I think we're going to learn a little bit more about whether they can beat it or not I think if you were saying were they going to make the playoffs I'm at an eight uh, in terms of uh, my panic meter um, you know I think would get back and we've seen Ariza and Barnes both struggle so One of those two guys will play less when Bagley is back, and he's definitely going to help their offense. I think he's really going to help their transition game too because they haven't had these really uh, Holmes is that a little bit, but they haven't had these great bigs uh, running the floor. I mean, and Bogdanovich and Heald are going to play better. Heald's starting to come around now. Bogdanovich is still shooting thirty-one percent from the field. Corey Joseph uh, has been atrocious offensively. Fox is only shooting forty-four percent from two. That's not very good either. So uh, I do think that they uh, there's individual players who can play better especially offensively here, I think. But if you're thinking about they're going to make the playoffs, that's looking pretty unlikely, even with just some of the losses that they've had, in addition to how badly they've played. And then you throw in that You know, the West is not going to be crazy hard, but there's still some teams that have come up behind them with the Wolves and Phoenix and Dallas that are looking better than them. So I don't think they're going to be like a below 30 win team or something like that. But I do think as far as making the playoffs, you got to be at like about an eight here. What, What was your number for them?
1: It's an eight as well. And the way I would phrase it, I agree with a lot of what you just said, is I expect them to be better than they have been, but I don't think it'll be enough. And especially the limitations offensively that it was hard to expect them to correct it. They just, the team isn't different enough to to see that as uh, as a real change and you know healed struggling somewhat to start the season all that kind of stuff and then so they if you saw what they did last year as being totally repeatable and then you maybe get a better based on age-related you know pet progression yeah but I mean we saw some unsustainable stuff in them last year and remember that requires being healthy and that requires a lot of the other stuff and so yeah I I, I think it's pretty un, it, it's I, I think they have them in the slight chance group they make the playoffs it, it's not zero obviously but it is it is lower especially with some of the other teams that we kind of saw the same tier as them before just playing much better right now
0: okay who's your next team
1: let's do a fast one golden state warriors (laughs)
0: 10 well so
1: i'm gonna go 10 and 3 and so the (laughs) 10 is the obvious they're they're not the same team but the three is this idea that And this relies more on how they played before Steph Curry got hurt. That if they weren't going to be as like a a playoff team or whatever, if they weren't going to be you know like a a decent team in the in the non clay time, it's better to go all the way down than to go part way down. You know, you get a better draft pick, you can rest guys like Draymond Green more throughout the season. I I actually think like if they're going, if that was the team they were going to be, this is better than that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only reason to me, I I agree with you there. The only reason to me that I might feel some panic is. As if just like d'angelo russell and draymond green and even steph curry who p- before he got hurt granted it was a, a short amount of time he wasn't shooting well from three if those guys just aren't that good anymore going forward then you know you're really panicking beyond this year um but yeah don't have a ton to say uh on them uh let's go for the denver nuggets again this one they're four and two they've had some ugly wins but if you're talking about them taking the next step, being a Western Conference Finals team, being a championship contender, I'm at a seven with them. And I think the reason why starts just that Nikola Jokic does not look good at all right now.
1: And so I'm a little bit lower. I'm at a five. But it, I think what it boils down to is this question of do you think that Nikola Jokic not being that guy is is sustainable is is that the new normal and for me the yeah. answer is no like i i think that he will be better maybe maybe not at, like i thought of him as a potential mvp candidate that might have been too rosy but i think their defense will get better and also i'm optimistic that the passage of time will help Mike Malone figure out his best fives. Like I think having Jeremy Grant in particular, that gives them another option. I posited I was on um, Adam Maris' pod uh, about a week ago, two weeks ago, and talked about the idea that maybe Grant and Millsap together is their best five defensively, like playing those guys and Jokic. And so those kind of things you find over the course of a season just because you have to try new things out with guys get hurt or unavailable. So maybe that helps. But I mean, if you think Jokic is fundamentally, you know, like if what happened last year was at least some degree of an aberration then yeah i could see being a seven or higher
0: well uh, everyone is saying that he really looks like he's not in great shape right now and certainly he's taking more threes and not hitting them and again you know he had that one year 17 18 where he shot almost 40 percent for three every year other than that he's been in the low 30s and he's uh, under 30 percent again so it doesn't look like that's gonna be a panacea shooting more threes for him uh, he's taking way fewer shots at the rim getting way fewer offensive rebounds i think all those are indications that he's just not in the same type of shape that he was but i agree with you i mean you think he he has a, a good history you would have to start playing better maybe he just gets into better shape or, or something like that um the three position has been certainly not too great will barton is injured now he's shooting well from three but you know again he's going to put a, a ceiling on your defense um I think they also have a ceiling on their offense with Millsap and Grant at the four Grant is shooting 21% from 3 I could also maybe see the defense getting worse 32% from 3 for their opponents I remember opponents shot pretty poorly on open threes uh last year as well uh and opponents are also shooting only 35 percent for mid-range again those are not necessarily things that teams have a, a ton of control over so i think their defense could get worse and there's also a ceiling on their defense because of the way they have to play with Jokic, where he gets way out on the floor good teams that can shoot it and really move the ball are going to find openings uh, against this team uh and it doesn't look like jamal burry and gary harris like got a ton better either it, murray in particular is notorious for a slow start at least he hasn't sucked so far the way he has at the start of some of these years but uh you know there's there's no indication so far that the any of these young guys have popped yet now that could certainly change But going into the year, all the ways you thought like, oh, these guys could take the next step. None of them have really happened yet. Um, Reasons to think they'll be better. They still have trade assets. They did move a pick for Grant, but they've got plenty of younger guys that they could try to move. Barton, they could try to move Porter. Uh, They've got more picks going forward. Jokic getting better. And also, I think just at the forward position, Torrey Craig is also really strong. He's like 32% true shooting. Somebody is going to emerge there. They have enough guys that somebody who can make a shot and play passably is probably going to emerge and the ones who aren't playing well are just going to get out of there i think that that's a reason for optimism is just some of these guys will play better and the ones who aren't will just not be playing anymore what's uh so a, yeah as i said i'm at a seven yeah them and overall, I'm, at a, though, I'm at a five if you're talking about them contending yeah sorry. No,
1: i'm at a five um so let's go to new orleans finish out the west
0: sorry what did you say you're at, you're at a five i'm at a five yeah yeah okay. um
1: so let's go to new orleans again i think it's kind of the same test as the kings of like are they a playoff team and sort of paralleling the kings partially due to health and partially due to just the way they played so far i expect them to be better but just not good enough and i mean it is worth noting new orleans they're Fourth in offense right now, they're one eleven point five, but their defense has been abysmal. And something I wanted to look up was I-, I was willing to give them a little bit of a pass because Drew Holiday is one of their best defenders, and he he missed some time, and they did really struggle. It's true, they absolutely struggled during some of that time. But their defense has been pretty awful when he's been on the floor. It's been awful when he's been on the floor too. So what's it
0: look like with favors on and off? I mean, it- we're probably too. Yeah, I think early, that's too small. I think like- that's
1: too small a sample that I don't really wanna, yeah. I don't want to. I not really want to lean it because like. Like, Drew's played more than Vapor satz Yeah,
0: you're, you're probably right.
1: Yeah, and so, but the the idea of them being better, but is that good enough? Remember, like, we when we were thinking about average kind of health for them, I was thinking of them as being a fringe playoff team, you know, maybe in the low 40s. Well, they're not going to be full strength for – I, I Zion's going to be out for a while still, unfortunately, and they haven't been, and they're losing more games now. So my panic level, I'll put it at the same as, as Sacramento, I'll put it at an, at an eight. I thought about going to a seven just because they'll, you know, I, I think they've been hurt more by health, but then you remember that Zion's out for a while and they, there aren't a lot of like big fixes that, that they can necessarily do here. Not that they necessarily should because their future can be plenty bright.
0: Yeah. I, I wrote down here reason why they will be better injuries reasons why they won't injuries <laughs> right you, you could talk yourself into it hey favors will come back Zion will come back but like you said Zion's out for a while favors this has been a chronic knee thing for him we'll see how he looks when he comes back later this week but I mean there's all the fundamentals in their defense are terrible they're forcing the fewest mid-rangers in the league they're allowing the second most shots at the rim um also they're shooting 38 from three so far they don't other than JJ Redick and maybe Josh Hart, there's nobody with that type of pedigree. Brandon Ingram is shooting a ton of threes, and he's at 50%. There's no way... On Earth that that continues uh i also think that they're just they have so many guys and so many young guys and this is kind of a developmental season that they're just uh, having difficulty in establishing a rotation that makes sense i think there's a lot of yo-yoing around uh, alvin Gentry i, I don't think has shown that he could come up with lineups that that make a ton of sense there's just an overall desire to play these young guys and, and get them reps they have no good defensive players in the front court right now with favors out so i think their defense is going to continue to be battle year and certainly the coaching under gentry he's never really coached a good defense that i can recall so uh i mean some reasons why they could improve Nikhil alexander walker hasn't played that much but he's either gonna shoot less he's gonna shoot better or he's gonna play less even so than he has and i also think josh hart has looked pretty good lonzo balls new jumper uh, is looking solid he actually leads the team in minutes right now uh and they haven't really just gotten killed in any of the games when they've been helping me. Mean, that one warriors loss is kind of really weighing down their numbers when just about everyone was out. Uh, so I'm a, uh i think they're gonna be better again you know like sacramento i think they're gonna be kind of in the 30s they're gonna be really exciting maybe zion can transform them maybe there's hope that the teams above them like dallas and sacramento and and minnesota uh, spurs blazers that those teams aren't gonna run away and hide and maybe if zion comes back he's just that good but uh i'm not too optimistic um let's go to the bulls now i am quite worried about them Their defense is atrocious. They're basically at the same shot profile as New Orleans, forcing the second fewest mid-rangers, and they're allowing the most shots at the rim. They also have had- Wait, I I think, because I
1: I, I was going to bring this set up, I think we should mention the proportion of shots. 45% of the shots that opponents are taking are within four feet of the basket.
0: (laughs) That's, yeah, that's that's a better way to say it than that they're the worst in the league. That is just an astronomical number.
1: And, and it's also pretty incredible, and you could you could take this in either direction, that when Wendell Carter's been on the floor, they've actually been a pretty much a league average defense. They've been a train wreck when he's been off. But, I mean, remember that if your high watermark is average, then that's a big, big problem if you can't yeah. get another center.
0: Well, and, I mean, I think three players in particular really stand out to me as killing them defensively. Markinen has been awful. He got lit up trying to switch uh, in that indiana game yesterday levine just uh, we know what he is defensively both on and off the ball as a help defender losing shooters i mean he's really just one of the worst in the league i mean it, it could be possible danny and they have improved the defensive personnel around him it's, there's still some other holes but it could be possible that he's so bad that you just even if you have other really good defenders around him that you just can't have a good defense when he's out there like he actually may be that bad which is well, i mean we saw with the, with the Colin
1: sexton cut in the, at the end of the game against oh the my Cavs, God. where the Bulls were actually defending reasonably well, and then they just got Sexton got that dunk to end the game, and it's it's an interesting test of like PIPM and a few other things have pre- previously rated guards just disastrously in defense, and we've always been skeptical. Devin Booker has been taking the brunt of that over the years. Maybe just maybe Zach Levine is the is he's not the ex- he's the exception that proves the rule, where like you can have a point of failure that is not on the interior. I'm not sure yet. I'm going to watch a lot. More bulls, but yeah, I mean that's a, it's a big reason. and But also, they they don't have enough talent to make up for that. It's not like they have great wing defenders. I mean, they have some good defensive players on the team, but they they can't figure all this out.
0: Another uh, one reason to think they might uh get a little better is that Luke cornette is either going to play better or not play anymore. They'll go with Gafford, who at least provides a little room protection. I, granted, he's a rookie, uh or uh, they'll maybe just do a three man rotation with Young, Carter, and Markinen and, and just try to play those guys all the minutes. I mean, Cornette's only playing like 10 minutes a game, but God, he's been awful on both ends. Hasn't been able to hit a shot just incredibly slow-footed. Um... Other reasons to worry, though, they've had close to the worst small forward production in the league, maybe the worst. Otto Porter, to me, looked heavy. I wondered if maybe that would be a good thing at the start of the year, that he could hold up better against some of these stronger wings. But that hasn't helped. He's been playing really badly. He's on load management due to his hips. You wonder how much that's bothering him. But he's just had an atrocious start to the year uh kobe white has fallen off i mean he may just be rookie point guard bad after a a nice start to the season he's had four straight really bad games um they've had this incredibly easy schedule to date. the toughest team they've probably played is toronto and they got completely blown out by them at home i i mean they've had maybe the easiest schedule in the league well and 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 also
1: if you consider the context like for example they played the pacers and the pacers have had some better moments but they played the pacers with both of their starting centers out
0: yeah and their win against the pistons where which they eked out at home you know pistons are really banged up also so some reasons for optimism Wendell Carter Jr. looks really good on both ends so far. Maybe he'll just play more minutes, although he's kind of limited by foul trouble to do that. Uh, markin Porter, White, Cornette are all shooting really badly from three, and they don't really have anybody who's shooting crazy well. Um, and, and their offensive shot distribution is very good. They're second in the percentage of their shots around the rim. And one thing they have really done a good job of is reducing the number of mid-rangers that they take. Uh, it's odd that they're taking so many shots at the rim and they never get fouled. They're in the bottom 10 in the league in foul rate but i mean they're gonna i think they're gonna play better i mean also there hasn't been much indication that the coaching is good we had concerns about that and other than the percentage of shots that they're taking from mid-range which is way down from last year not much to indicate that uh, jim boylan has been a quality coach so far so again if you were thinking of this team contending for the playoffs i'm at a nine right now for them i'm not totally ruling that out yet you and i disagree on that yesterday but uh i mean the, the defense just doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon so it's and, interesting
1: it's interesting the juxtaposition with this and yesterday i'm actually at a seven on them but it's because of the east like i think there's just a chance that it's just so bad that they're in it but i'm in i'm at a nine in the abstract because it's just a lot of this and remember that the bulls don't have as much flexibility as some of the other teams so If we were doing this from an organizational standpoint, remember that this is pretty close to the team they wanted and they're getting their butts kicked. And that's a bigger bigger concern than these injured teams or these younger teams that are struggling. And it's not like the Bulls are old, but they're older in certain respects.
0: Yeah, well, and Larry Markkinen and Zach Levine haven't really taken steps forward this year i mean that that those are the guys that they're depending on to take this next step on both ends and i mean both their defenses have been extremely problematic and marketing can't hit a shot um all right we got what two more here three more here we could do some of these a little faster uh because they're they're not as concerning i don't think
1: yeah let's go to the magic you and and hollinger talked about this well in kind of a different context on on your podcast but their issues are all on the offensive end and i'm you know, I'm, I've been more of a magic optimist than you overall, but their I mean, the idea that it was you know that their offensive successes last year were a little bit fluky because both DJ and Vooch had these awesome years, like that gives me genuine concern.
0: Yeah, and as we mentioned yesterday, they have just been atrocious on offense. um Reasons to believe that this is a problem: those two veterans, Augustin and Vucevic. Well, Augustin not only is he playing worse, but he's not even in the starting lineup, so he's not even going to have a chance to play better and get back to last year's level. Most likely, sounds like as we talked about earlier, Markel Foltz is going to be the guy there for them for a while. And I'm well, not and sure. I, how... I would say
1: I would say a way to feel better is that they can't shoot worse. It is right. almost impossible yeah. for them for. Them them to shoot worse and their defense has been good and it's been successful in ways that I expect to to persist overall and their their bench play I would say has been you know I would say it's been a, a little bit better the Steve Clifford team they're not turning the ball over but they're not getting to the free throw line I don't expect that to change other than marginally and so so I mean for me This is really the quintessential team about defining success. So I still think there's a pretty solid chance that they make the playoffs because the East bottom is just not good. But the idea that they take a step forward to me looks a lot worse. So I'm going to go overall. With a seven, with some additional heft there, normally it would be a six or a five because it's so hard to correct the problems they have.
0: Yeah, I was at a six. I think that they, and one of the reasons for that, and that's probably based on you having maybe higher preseason expectations for them than I did, but we talk about their 30th in offense, 95 offensive rating, but their fifth in defense, 99.7 defensive rating. So that's going to get worse too, even as the offense improves. And we talk about their terrible three point shooting. Well, Their opponents are shooting 28% from three, and they're also 27th in opponent three-point attempt rate. So they are allowing a ton of threes, which Steve Clifford defenses are not supposed to do. And they're getting really lucky on opponents missing those shots so if they keep allowing that many threes and opponents start hitting at an average rate their defense is going to get a lot, lot worse part of that evens out a little bit because opponents are shooting very well from mid-range at 45 percent, but three-point shooting obviously because it's worth the extra point is is more important than mid-range uh But some reasons to feel better. They're not allowing very many shots at the rim. So at least they have that as a a positive fundamental. And as you said, they just, they have to get better offensively just in terms of of making shots. Uh, How about Detroit here? We can spend a little time on them. They're tough though, because they've been so injured. I mean, that's another one where why will they be better health? Why won't they be better health?
1: Especially because their point guard injuries, well, at least the one to Reggie, are, they're serious. You know, Reggie's going to be out for four weeks and Rose has a history and, you know, the hamstring issues could always come back. You know, it's, it's, it's a nasty, could be a nasty one. So, but getting Blake eases a lot of those because you need less ball handling at the one because you have Blake Griffin. And he will play a higher proportion of their future minutes than their present minutes. Detroit is currently 24th in defense. And sure, with Andre Drummond, you're gonna rebound. You're gonna be rebound well, and they've they've actually done a pretty good job in terms of foul rate too. But I'm, you know, I'm still a little bit concerned about about what they're do what they're doing, and they it is like I would say their overall opponent shooting is unsustainably strong. But I do, I don't think of it as just being completely ridiculous at this point. It's just it'll just regress a little bit.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what their path is to getting a lot better defensively. Maybe if Bruce Brown is gonna play some point guard for them, that might help them he is a good defensive player but it's hard to play him off the ball uh and blake griffin is going to completely change the nature of this team offensively when he comes back that is supposed to happen pretty soon shamsa had a little interview with him today but we'll see what he looks like uh, as well blake saying by the way that he does not regret playing on a torn meniscus and uh we'll see how he looks after that um, it, um, but the fact that he's been so slow to start the season it is not amazing um last one here brooklyn Definitely concerning for them in terms of the defense. They're two and four, have had some losses to teams that are are not that good somehow actually they're only 19th uh, in defense I thought they would be a lot worse than that because they've looked really defenseless at times but I think that their total lack of force at all positions is not great also stylistically they're not passing the ball the way they did last year with Irving going into more isos uh, they have also been shooting the ball perhaps unsustainably well they have some good shooters obviously Kyrie among them for both these ranges but 40.6% shooting from three and 42.6% from mid-range those are both at the top of the league right now so their offense may take a little bit of a step back here just from worse shooting luck uh but they also have been hurt by opponents shooting really well for mid-range, and that's one of their big things is to force a lot of mid-range shots. Yeah, they've like, also like, been totally fine with the starters on the floor. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, the other yeah. thing
1: I want to mention is they're, uh, and this is not a surprise given it's a Kenny Atkinson team, the shot distribution for opponents is pretty good. It's generally what you'd want. Now, some of those have been falling a little bit more than you'd like. And they've, the Nets have also been, they've been strong on the defensive glass, which is a nice little sign, but I'm very concerned that they're not forcing any turn overs yeah
0: and they're never going to right uh, they just don't have anyone on this team who forces any turnovers and they play a ridiculously conservative system pick and roll wise with their uh and even on dho's with their centers to just hang back in the room um but yeah i'm concerned about their bench and their depth uh like an example here jared allen plus 10.7 net rating deandre jordan negative 13.5 net rating part of that's been just some unlucky shooting by opponents when jordan is on the floor but man that is uh that's gonna be something to watch all year uh deandre jordan may be completely cool. um but reasons to not panic the East sucks and that's why i'm only at a four for them and they they have by far the best player of any of these teams that are fighting for the bottom end of the east that we've mentioned here so i, I think that helps a lot too now if irving gets injured then maybe, and he doesn't have the greatest health record, then maybe you you can ratchet that number up a little bit
1: and that's why I'm at a five. I could be at a four, but remember Kyrie Irving, 30.5 PER, which is currently fifth in the NBA. And there's their, you know, their offense isn't the culprit here, but they're 13th overall. And the health issue, you know, like Kevin Durant not being there. Well, Kevin Durant's not going to be there for the whole season. So that's not really as, as big of a thing. So I, I, I'm the idea that they are going to be maybe beyond that fringe playoff group. I think that that is waning a little bit for me, the idea that every, you know, that everything would work, you know, Bringing in Torian Prince, he's going to totally buy in, and you know that losing Dudley and Carroll, those type of guys, wasn't going to have an impact. It absolutely did, so that's a little bit of a concern in the kind of in the more the macro sense. So I'm at a five, but not too far off.
0: So so many awesome games, storylines this season so far, and there's no better way to follow it than from your borough couch. You want to see how the Clippers' new stars are looking. You want to see how the Lakers are looking with with Anthony Davis. The Sixers, uh, with their new cast of characters, uh, the Jazz, there's so many new teams that I am just really fired up to check out. I've never been so excited to watch games at the start of a season as I have been this year. And with my customizable Burrow Sofa, which you can pick your fabric color, your leg finish, armor style, and the length, and even add a Chase Lounge or an ottoman. and with their built-in USB chargers, so you don't have to worry about your phone dying while you are binge-watching the NBA or anything else. Burrow sofas are the best way to relax at home. Their durable fabric is naturally scratch and stain resistant. My cats definitely put that to the test. It is held up extremely well. And they offer free one week shipping. So you can have your new sofa set up by next week's games. This NBA season, don't settle for your same old couch. Settle into a comfy new burrow sofa. Get $75 off a new sofa and that free one week shipping at burrow.com like you burrow into it burrow.com slash cap space b-u-r-r-o-w burrow.com slash cap space for 75 dollars off a new sofa and don't forget that slash cap space url to let them know that you came from us so one thing that slipped passed us here and we've talked about most of these previously markel Fultz, 12.3 million josh jackson got his decline that was not a surprise but the rookie options and one thing that was noted by Bobby Marks is for the first time ever 30 year rookie options remember the way a rookie skill contract works is you get two guaranteed years and then two team options after that so the third year rookie options which have to be decided on by october 31st that deadline just passed
1: a year early let's just make sure yeah yes. so so yeah yes. so so basically you you've, you've decide on a player's third year option for their third year at the very beginning of their second year and then the same same timeline for the next
0: one so josh jackson his fourth year option for example 8.9 million that got declined they but you can then pay the guy up to what he would have made if you want to bring him back but he's also unrestricted if he wants to leave which makes sense right if you're you say hey you get restricted free agency on me if you actually kept me around and paid me through this whole rookie contract but if you're going to decline my option that you had you don't also get to have restricted rights on me as well so
1: yeah and and some notable players that have re-signed with a declined option uh kavon looney with the warriors and austin rivers while the clippers were not the team that declined his option they were the team that had him at the end of that year and so thus the restriction applied to them as
0: well so of the 2018 draftees all 30 of those guys had their options picked up for their third year. And Bobby Mark's noting that what a surprise it was that this is the first time ever, just a, not individually surprising, but just for an entire class to have all 30 of those thir- third year options picked up. Who are the most surprising of those to you that they actually did get picked up?
1: omar Spellman is pretty high on the list. He hasn't shown me that much and center, which is probably his best position, is, is so replaceable in the modern NBA. The Warriors specifically, and, and it's sometimes it's hard, But so I talk about it both ways, to do the team-specific constraints here and then also the player. And I, I mean, Spellman hasn't shown me that much. And to me, one of the questions is whether this decision will haunt you if you decline it. You know, like, will the guy become significantly better? I'm not as worried about it with him. Zahn and Musa, we just haven't seen much. What I've seen, like, in Summer League was not particularly impressive. But the Nets are in an unusual spot because of all the money that they've spent, that the opportunity cost is very low, as long as Joe Tsai is willing to spend the luxury tax money. If he ends up not being good, then they can always just cut Musa or try to trade him. So I I would say that those were the two that struck me. They were the final two picks of the first round. And then, I mean, there were a couple other ones that I think would have been tougher decisions. I'm just lower on Jerome Robinson. Clippers, again, unusual circumstance just because of the money that they have paid to their guys. Um, So I would have considered declining with him. I would have considered declining pretty seriously with Jacob Evans as well. But positional scarcity helps Evans relatively to Omari Spellman. Also, he's looked better this year than his deeply disappointing rookie year.
0: How about for you? Well, I think one thing that, that you hit on here as part of why maybe more of these options got picked up in the past or more than we would have expected is goes back to that 2020 free agency class not being any good and there's few teams most of these teams are at a level where they're going to be over the cap anyway so there's not as much opportunity cost there and then if you're going to be under the cap there's not that many free agents that you're going to go after it's just easier to pick up the guy's option when you're just keeping him around for that year unless it's a, a huge number i to me The two most surprising were Spellman and Evans from that 2018 draft. And I understand why they kept them around. I talked about this with Slater on his pod uh, on Friday night, but... I understand why it kept them around because this is a developmental year. These guys are gonna play this year. It won't be good for their development if you don't have that picked up and they're pressing and then you can only pay them two million next year. They're they'll be wasting I mean those guys have to be on the team basically already this year because of the hard cap issues. They don't have any way to get them off the team if they wanted to and use other guys. You can't do the hey, just cut the guy and sign somebody else. They literally can't do that as of now. But I think for next year and, and also i think spellman has worked hard he's gotten into much better shape as a warrior evans has worked hard he's made some improvements and so you don't want to say hey you've really improved and now we're going to pull the rug out from under you by declining your two million dollar option for next year and yeah that's not that much in the grand scheme of things also i think they are a little scarred by declining looney's option and then having him do well of course now now
1: why they're not scarred by picking up Damian Jones's option and then having to trade him for Omari Spellman when they could have just had another minimum roster spot and done something better with it
0: no and I, I do think though that those guys have some potential and to me if they were a different team I would have just picked it up but I think the opportunity cost next year could be big just in terms of the roster spot. And if well, they have. And the
1: other, the other part with the Warriors is they just don't have that many players under contract for next year. So, yeah. you know, they're, how, how much. Must- are you're going to spread the middle level exception maybe they have an igu- they use the Iguodala trade exception they they they're going to need bodies and these are reasonable bodies to have i would have if it were if it were me i actually probably still would have declined spellman i'm a little lower on him than you are but it is it, the rationale behind it is totally sound it's just that for me if i if i don't think a player is good enough i'm just declining it anyway
0: yeah and they're trying to build this culture of development now this is going to be a developmental season so just for those players for the narrative all that that's why they did this I just think we're it's more likely than not that we're going to be in a situation in training camp next year where they've got Evans and they've got Spellman and if they All these guys come back. They use that Iguodala trade exception. They are trying to be a contender next year. They'll probably just be able to do better with a a standard veterans minimum on those roster spots than those guys. And then they're going to be in a situation where they're in the tax again next year, and they want to just get off of that money, and they have to either deal with having those guys on the roster, just eat the money and pay the tax, or give up assets to get off of them. Uh, None of which are particularly compelling options. But I understand why they did it. I mean, this is probably way too much time. Time on Jacob Evans and Amari Spell. But I think it's just it's interesting from an overall organizational standpoint to be thinking this far ahead because that's what it's all about here for the Warriors. Um, Something to yeah. note
1: as we transition into the fourth year options, these were players overwhelmingly drafted in 2017. I mean, it's it's tied to the year you actually came to the league, but most guys come when they were drafted, is there is a big pay jump relative to the yeah. player's prior salary between their third and their fourth season. So these now, especially now that the rookie scale has been fixed, and or at least raised it makes these decisions in certain cases genuinely difficult and so i, I for example josh jackson like josh jackson if it were a five million dollar or even a six million dollar option despite being super low on him as i happen basically since he was in high school i think that it would have been a much harder decision but josh jackson's fourth year option was 8.9 million dollars okay that's that seems pretty clear and in certain circumstances that that also has the benefit you know that uh, Mario Hozonia was an example here though it didn't happen that that option was high enough that if they end up being successful and want to return you should have enough flexibility to pay them and remember you also have bird rights so could get into that circumstance Uh, uh, so a couple of the decisions were kind of made were made for teams on that grounds that it was just too much money like for Ante Zizic I think that's true Zizic was about four million swanigan three point 7 that's just too much for those players
0: well and i mean those guys haven't shown any indication that they're going to be positive contributors by this point
1: right i would have declined tony bradley's as you would have have 3.5 million but then and and i would have picked up even though i'm lower on justin jackson than other people positional scarcity also the mavericks just having a low opportunity cost specifically for the 2020 offseason i would have picked up his 5 million it's fine you know, I, I'm not a yeah. huge fan of his. but I,
0: I, I wouldn't even have considered declining that one, yeah. frankly.
1: And and it's the same, honestly, for me with Frank Nolkina. I mean, Frank is 6.2 million. He is disappointed in certain respects, especially as a creator. But what else are they going to do? And also, if another team is interested in, in Nolkina, they're probably going to see that 6.2 million as, as a positive, especially because they could theoretically get match rights after the 2020-21 slash season. So pick it up. It actually makes it easier to trade him, as opposed to another team that if you acquired him, would then have this restriction on them and he'd be an unrestricted free agent next summer so i think even if they wanted to move him that's the right decision but that leaves one other player to discuss and it's a player we just talked about being moved into the starting lineup for the orlando magic one markel fultz
0: yeah we hit on him a fair amount when this happened I recall that it was like early october that they decided to do this and my understanding is that with both him and bomba It's another one that maybe maybe should at least have been on the list of a question to decline it. But the Magic are going to be capped out after all their signings. They're trying to build something. Again, Fultz has struggled with confidence. You, You decline that option doesn't look that great and they obviously believe uh, enough in him for him to be starting now so i'm uh i guess i'm good with it if they really saw enough from him i still not a huge believer in the jump shot maybe that's going to come around maybe he can make bigger strides at least he's made improvements now from where he was a year ago although again his form from three is still really busted to me um all right i think that can wrap it up here anything else to talk about before we go Make
1: sure to check out the NBA cast on Wednesday. We're going to be doing Bucks Clippers. It should be absolutely awesome. Alternate broadcast. And you can watch it on YouTube, Twitch, and Periscope. Periscope natively in Twitter if that's how you want to do it and everything else. So that'll be a lot of fun. And we, of course, have podcasts throughout the rest of the week.
0: Yeah, and also Hollinger and Duncan, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. We'll talk to you all tomorrow night. Till then.